It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to The Tents. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, we're receiving a lot of really interesting inquiries from so many hobbyists in our community regarding the so-called collateral benefits of utilizing botanicals in our aquariums. It's pretty cool. Now, among the most interesting and exciting one of these collateral benefits is the potential for supplemental internal food production as a result of cultivating a bed of leaves and other botanicals in our aquariums. Yeah, food production. As always, the inspiration and archetype for this food production process is nature herself. And one of the more fascinating habitats where food production occurs in the wild is the flooded forest floors of South America. You knew I was going there, right? Now, we've talked extensively in several blog posts over the past couple of years about the idea of what's called alichthonous input, which is literally food from the sky, stuff that falls from trees, and how it impacts the feeding habits of many fishes, as well as their social and behavioral habits, and what could loosely be referred to as their migratory patterns. It's long been known that the fishes which inhabit the flooded forest floors, Agapo, uh, of Amazonia, for example, tend to literally follow the food and move into new areas where greater feeding opportunities present themselves, and they'll even adjust their dietary preferences seasonally to accommodate the available foods. This is an interesting ecological adaptation. In this instance, though, it typically means uh, areas of the forest floors where overhanging vegetation offers falling pieces of fruit, seeds, nuts, plant parts, and the occasional clumsy insect like an ant which falls from the branches of said vegetation. So here's where the idea gets inter- interesting to me. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense to create a botanical style aquarium which not only represents the appearance of the habitat but also replicates to a certain extent the function of it? Of course it would. Surely you wouldn't have expected any other answer from me, right? Yes, of course not. Now, many other fishes which reside in these flooded forest areas feed mainly on insects, specifically small ones such as beetles, spiders, and ants from the forest canopy. These insects are likely dislodged from the overhanging trees by wind and rain, and the opportunistic fishes are always ready for a quick meal. Interestingly, it's been postulated that the reason the Amazon has so many small fishes is that they evolve as a response to the opportunities to feed on insects served up by the flooded forests in which they reside. The little guys simply do a better job at eating small insects which fall into the water than the larger, clumsier guys who snap up nuts and fruits and stuff with those big old mouths. Interesting. And yes, many species of fishes specialize in consuming detritus. More on that later. Hold that thought, right? As we know by now, decomposing leaves are the basis of the food chain, and the detritus they produce forms an extremely important part of the food chain for many, many species of fishes. Some have even been adapted morphologically to feed on detritus produced in these habitats by developing bristle-like teeth to remove it from branches, tree trunks, plant stems, and leaf litter beds. Of course, it's not just the fishes which derive benefits from the terrestrial materials which find their way into the water. Bacteria, fungi, and algae also act upon the nutrients released into the water by decomposing organic material from these plants. Aquatic plants, known collectively to science as macrophytes, grow in or near water and are either emergent, submergent, or floating and play a role in filtering these flooded habitats in nature. 
Terrestrial trees also play a role in removing, utilizing, and returning nutrients to the aquatic habitat and then to the dry forests. They remove some of the nutrient from submerged soils and return some in the form of leaf drop. Now, interestingly, studies show that about 70% of the leaf drop from surrounding trees in the Agapo habitats occurs when the area is submerged, but the bulk of it is shedded by the trees at the end of the inundation period. In other words, long after these areas have been flooded. The falling leaves gradually decompose and become part of the detritus in the food web, which is essential for many species of fishes, as we've said before. Now, this late inundation leaf drop also sort of sets things up nicely for the next round, providing a starter of nutrients on the forest floor for when the waters return. Now, our ability to mimic this aspect of the flooded forest floor habitats is a real source of benefits for the fishes that we keep, and a key to unlocking the secrets of long-term maintenance and husbandry of botanically influenced aquariums. The transformation of dry forest floors into aquatic habitats provides a tremendous amount of inspiration and biological diversity and activity for the natural environment and for our aquariums. There's so many takeaways for hobbyists that can be had by studying these habitats. Flood pulses in these habitats easily enable large-scale transfers of nutrients and food items between the terrestrial and the aquatic environment. This is of huge importance to the ecosystem. As we've touched on before, aquatic food webs in the Amazon area and other tropical ecosystems are very strongly influenced by the input of terrestrial materials. And this is a really important point that I keep pounding home to you, but it's a really important point for those of us interested in creating more natural aquatic displays and microcosms for the fishes that we keep. Creating an aquascape utilizing a matrix of leaves, roots, and other botanical materials is one of my favorite aesthetic interpretations of this habitat. And it just happens to be supremely functional in the aquarium as well. I think it's a prototype for many of us to follow, merging looks and function together adeptly and beautifully. And with the ability to provide live foods to just small insects, I'm thinking of like wingless fruit flies and ants, and potentially to cultivate some worms like blood worms, maybe black worms for sure, in situ, there are lots of compelling possibilities for creating really comfortable, natural appearing and functioning biotope style aquariums for fishes. And of course, when you're talking about creating a rich bed of botanicals consisting of, you know, decomposing leaves and organic materials, this creates a matrix that will eventually consist of and perhaps accumulate what we collectively call detritus. Oh my god, not detritus. Here we go again. Yep. Let's talk about it one more time. So think about it just for a second before you go all berserk on me. <laughs> Is detritus or any other finely processed organic material, the doomsday machine that many experts have long predicted will destroy your aquarium? I don't think so. Now hear me out. I know, we all know, that uneaten food and fish shed accumulated in a closed system can be problematic if overall husbandry issues are not attended to. That's a no-brainer. It's Aquarium Keeping 101. I know that it can decompose, it can overwhelm the biological filtration capacity of the tank and left, left unchecked. And that could lead to smelly, dirty-looking systems with diminished water quality, blah, blah, blah. I know all that. You know that. In fact, pretty much everybody in the hobby knows that. But the reality is that's not what most of us encounter in terms of detritus in our aquariums. We've sort of heaped detritus into this catch-all descriptor, which has an overall bad connotation to it. Like, anything that's allowed to break down in the aquarium and accumulate is bad. Now, again, we're not talking about a substrate composed entirely of uneaten food and fish poop here. That's a different issue and a different problem that you need to tackle. Now, I agree. It requires a lot of understanding and a real mental shift to embrace the idea of loving detritus in your tank. The definition as accepted in the aquarium hobby is admittedly kind of sketchy in this regard. Well, it's not flattering at the very least. Detritus is dead particulate organic matter. It typically includes the bodies or fragments of dead organisms as well as fecal material. 
Detritus is typically colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize the material. That's the source of the aquarium wiki, one that I refer to periodically. It has some neat definitions. Now that being said, everyone thinks this stuff is so bad. I'm just not buying it. I mean, why is this necessarily a bad thing? I mean, look at that last part of the definition where it's typically colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize the material. Okay, that's interesting. In nature, the community of fishes, insects, fungi, and microorganisms is really important to the overall tropical environment as it assimilates terrestrial materials into the aquatic system, produces and consumes detritus, and acts to reduce the loss of nutrients through the forest floor, which would just inevitably occur if all the material which fell into the streams was just washed away downstream. The key point, botanical materials and the resulting detritus foster the development of life forms which process these materials. Stuff's being used by life forms. It goes without saying that the same processes which occur in nature occur in our tanks if we let them. And botanical materials not only provide a substrate upon which these organisms can grow and multiply, they provide a sort of onboard nutrient processing center within the aquarium. In my experience, based on literally a lifetime of playing with all sorts of combinations of materials in my aquarium substrates, because I've always been into that weird shit, I cannot attribute a single environmental lapse, let alone a tank crash, as they say, as a result of such additions or the resulting breakdown in otherwise well-managed aquariums. Now, I'm of the opinion that a botanical-style aquarium, complete with all this decomposing leaves and seed pods and stuff, can serve as a sort of buffet for many fishes, even those whose primary food sources are known to be things like insects and worms and such. Detritus and the organisms within it can provide an excellent supplemental food source for our fishes. They give our fishes options to supplement their diets. It's well known that in many wild habitats like inundated forests, etc., fishes will adjust their feeding strategies to utilize the available food sources at different times of the year, such as the dry season. And it's also known that many fish fry feed actively on bacteria and fungi in these habitats. So I suggest once again that blackwater botanical style aquariums can be an excellent sort of a nursery for many fish species. And the other thing, the fact that fishes instinctively adjust their feeding habitats bodes well for those of us who travel and have to leave our aquariums unattended for periods of time. A botanical style aquarium, in my opinion, is really well suited for the aquarist that travels because their onboard food production is constantly happening. In fact, I know many times when I've gone away for extended periods of time without feeding my fishes, come back and found them just as fat as happy as they were before I left. Interesting. You'll also often hear the term paraphyton mentioned in similar contexts when you read these ichthyological or ecological studies about our fishes. And I think that for our purposes, we can essentially consider this in the same manner as we do epiphytic manner stuff. Paraphyton is essentially a catch-all, like detritus, for a mixed term for a mixture of cyanobacteria, algae, various microbes, and of course, detritus, which is bound, you know, found uh, uh, attached to or extremely close proximity to various submerged surfaces. Again, fishes will graze off, graze off this stuff continuously. Sometimes it's called biocover or afwuks in the African cichlid part of the hobby. Of course, anyone who keeps a planted aquarium or a cichlid, African cichlid tank with rocks can attest to that, right? Of course. Again, I firmly believe that the idea of embracing the construction or nurturing of a food web within our aquariums goes hand in hand with the concept of the botanical style blackwater and brackish aquarium. With the abundance of leaves and other botanical materials now available to fuel the fungal and microbial growth in our tanks, and the diligent husbandry and intellectual curiosity of the typical tinser, that's you, the practical exp 
you know, execution of this type of a system or this type of concept is really not difficult to create, understand, and ultimately embrace. We are truly positioned well to explore and further develop the concept of food webs in our own systems, and the potential benefits are enticing. Appetizing? We think so. Stay curious, stay resourceful, stay excited, stay motivated, stay creative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the Tenant.